stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks. A new
So welcome again, everybody, to Greenbelt Online. If this is your first time with us today, my name is Kevin, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. Today, we're starting a brand new sermon series that I've been praying about for a while now, and I really hope is going to bring you a peace and joy and hope and love as we prepare to get ready for Christmas Eve together. It, what we're going to do for the next few weeks leading right up to our Christmas Eve service is we're going to look at very famous traditional Christmas songs. And we're going to look at the biblical truth that comes out of these songs that you and I sing every Christmas season. I mean, I absolutely love this time of year. I love Christmas music. I am a complete, total sucker for Christmas songs. I find the radio station that starts playing Christmas music as early as possible, and that's where I camp right up until the new year. I love these songs. I love walking through shopping centers, hearing songs about Jesus. I love being at the garage, hearing songs about Jesus. All these places where you normally don't hear about the love of God is suddenly completely filled with that message of the hope, of the joy, of the peace, and the love that God showed the world that very first Christmas morning over 2,000 years ago. And this week, we're going to start this series off looking at one of my favorite Christmas hymns, and it's the song, O Holy Night. Now, if you don't know anything about how this song was written, it, there's actually quite a fascinating story behind the song, O Holy Night, that Paul just sang so beautifully for us today. I had goosebumps listening to him when we recorded that. It's just so powerful. But this song came about because a local priest in his town went to a very famous poet named Placide Capot. Good French name. <laughs> so Placide Capot was a was a, a, a poet in, in this village, and so the village priest went to him and asked him if he would write a poem about Luke chapter two. Now Luke chapter two is the very famous passage about the birth of Jesus, and so this priest went to him and asked if he'd write this poem. Now. Capot, his family business was actually, they were, um, they were wine merchants. And the hope was that as Capot got older, he would inherit the family's wine business. But when he was a kind of a, a younger child, him and one of his friends were playing. Uh, the friend had gotten a hold of one of their uh, father's guns, and he was actually shot in the hand with this gun. And because of that, had to have his hand amputated, so he wasn't able to to go into the family business of being a wine merchant because of that disability. So instead, he went and pursued an academic career, and poetry was a big part of that. And so also because of, you know, the mishap of the childhood and maybe, you know, having a lot of access to the, the local winery, uh, Capot actually had quite the reputation of being quite the hellraiser in his town and a big local troublemaker growing up. And so... 
he gets commissioned by this priest to write about the birth of Jesus. And the poem became so popular and was so well loved that a friend of Capo's then put it to music. And this absolutely exploded across all the Roman Catholic churches in the region. Everyone started playing Oh Holy Night as such a powerful reminder of what God did on that night when Jesus was born. Now, what's fascinating about this story is that Capo was not a believer in Jesus. In fact, he was quite opposed to the things of God and quite opposed to the church. (laughs) And when people found out that it was actually Capo who wrote this song, the church went nuts. They kind of wanted that song completely removed, but it was so powerful. It was so speaking to the soul of so many people that were dealing with despair and dealing with hardship and dealing with trouble that they couldn't stop it, that the song just went all over the world, despite the author of it. And they tried to shut it down, and they couldn't. Because just listen to these lyrics again. I'm not going to sing it, but just listen to these words, this powerful reminder of what God has done. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I just want to camp out for our time together on one little part of what I just read here. This one little sentence actually gives me goosebumps and the hair on my arms stand up as I read them right now, where it says, A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Just think of that word for a moment, weary, a weary world. If I had to pick one word to describe 2020, (laughs) it would be weary. (laughs) This year, for so many of us, has been weary. Whether it has been the the loss of work, whether it's been the loss of mobility, the loss of ability to see loved ones, whether it's been health issues, financial struggles, loneliness, depression, tensions at home, because we're all stuck in a living room together. This year, 2020, has felt incredibly weary. I was looking up that word in the dictionary of really the sense of what weary means. And weary means to have a feeling or a showing of tiredness, especially as the result of excessive exertion or lack of sleep. How many for you, that's been your 2020 just this complete tiredness, this this feeling of being spent, of being stretched too thin, like you just need to take a good nap. <laughs> That's been 2020 for me, and I know it's been 2020 for you as well. If you're joining us on Sunday morning, maybe just share in the chat for a little bit of how weary this year has been for you as well. 
right? But what's fascinating about these words here is even though the world is weary, the world experiences a thrill of hope in the birth of Jesus. That God is doing something, even in the weariness of our lives, even in the weariness of all the struggles that we go through, that there's actually a thrill of hope because tomorrow is a new day. When the, when the author Capo says, for yonder breaks, it's talking about this sunrise that comes up, that tomorrow is a new and glorious morning because Jesus has come into our lives. Our world right now is very weary. COVID fatigue has hit us and is hitting hard as we go into a second wave, as we're worried about what the holidays are going to look like. We as followers of Jesus need to be reminded that tomorrow is a new day, that there is a new and glorious morn. And we can put our hope not in the situation that is around us, but we put the thrill of our hope in what God has done. You see, a weary world is not new for us today. (laughs) In fact, the world has been weary ever since the curse in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, where they kind of rebelled against the commands of God and sin came into the world ever since that day. The world has been groaning. The world has been weary with death and sin and sickness and all the problems of this world. And even in the birth of Jesus story, we read about a young couple that are weary with the world and the situation around them. We learn of the Virgin Mary, a young teenage girl who's trying her best to follow the ways of God. And she receives a visit from an angel who says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to conceive a son. And this son is going to be the savior of of all mankind. And she is engaged. She's legally bound to a young man named Joseph. And again, he's a righteous man who wants to be obedient to the ways of God. And in his culture, he should be getting rid of this woman. He should be just getting rid of her because obviously she's committed adultery. Obviously she was unfaithful to him and he would be seen as a mockery, as a man to be belittled because he has an unfaithful wife. But instead an angel comes to him in a dream and says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Talk about a difficult situation to be in. And they find themselves in a weary situation of because the government put all these regulations in place that they had to travel to the town of Bethlehem where David's family, uh, sorry, where Joseph's family was from because he's from the line of David. So we had to go there to register because there was a census being taken. And on the way there, they're riding a donkey and it was time for Mary to give birth. And they couldn't find a place. There were no hospitals. There was no kind of medical care system to help with this. So they end up, end up finding a cave where animals would get out of the bad weather. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Oh, holy night. The night when Christ was born. The thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. 
for yonder breaks for a new and glorious morn has come. So today what I want us to do in our time together as we unpack this concept of this weary world rejoicing, this thrill of hope that we have in Christ, the big idea that I want you to really think about today for your own life, for your own situation that you find yourself in, for whatever this year has thrown at you. The big idea is I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to bring a new and glorious morning to you. Because of God's love for you, whatever weariness you are experiencing, God wants to bring a new and glorious morning to you. And to help us unpack that biblical theme a little bit of how God works in our weariness, instead of sitting in Luke chapter 2 that this song talks about, I want to go into the book of Lamentations uh, from your Old Testament. Now, I've been here at Greenbelt Church for 10 years, and I have never preached a sermon series from the book of Lamentations before. The book of Lamentations was uh, written by the prophet Jeremiah, and, um, well, it's kind of a downer book. It's five chapters, and they're five poems written by this prophet during the time when the people of Israel were in exile in the land of Babylon. And if you're not familiar with biblical history, what happened was the Babylonian Empire came into the land of Israel and completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem, including the temple of God. Now, that's a big deal for the Jewish people because they were under the commandments, under the decree of God to bring their sacrifices to the temple. The temple was where the full glory of the presence of God was. And so the people having that temple destroyed, having their city destroyed, and then they were taken as slaves out of their land into the, 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 the nation of Babylon, where they stayed in captivity for 70 years unable to come into the presence of God, unable to worship God the way God commanded them to worship. They were weary, very weary. Their identity, their faith, everything about what they knew about God was really being rocked in that season of their history. So Lamentations is this prophet lamenting, complaining, crying out, screaming at God, very down, very depressing book. Is why I haven't done a sermon series on it, because like everyone after five weeks of it, ten weeks of a sermon series of this, it'd be really depressing. But what's fascinating, in these five chapters of lament, we get a couple of verses about what God does in our lament, of what God does in a weary world. So I'm going to read from Lamentations chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading here in verse 19. This is what the prophet Jeremiah writes. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. So it starts off right away. He's just remembering their hardship and the pain and the suffering. It's kind of bringing up bile in his mouth, just remembering this. He remembers the temple being destroyed. He remembers being led out of the city as slaves. He remembers this affliction coming on his people. 
He goes, I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. A weary world rejoices, right? The thrill of hope of a new and glorious morn. That's the Christmas message. And that is what the prophet Jeremiah experienced here in his hardship, in his weariness, in his pain. He was going through a situation which is the worst of the worst of the worst for his people. And yet he can look to tomorrow. He could look to the new day of what God wants to do because of God's faithfulness. God wants to bring a new and glorious morn to you. So what I'd like to do for the remainder of our time together is unpack this Lamentations chapter 3 and see how this applies to your life and to my life. How in this 2020 weary year, how can we step into this Christmas season with it looking very different than any Christmas that we've had before, of not being able to see the loved ones that we want, of you know trying to limit the amount of contact that we have with, with people? Who knows where this is going to be in the next three weeks, but we can trust that God has a new glorious morning prepared for us because of his unfailing love. So I want to unpack this and I want to talk about what this new day looks like as followers of Jesus. What does this day with Jesus Christ bring into our lives as we look to him? So the first thing that I want us to consider from Lamentations here is that a new day with Christ brings exactly what you need. This new morning, this new day with Jesus will bring you exactly what you need. Right, Jeremiah says here in, chapter, in Lamentations 3.24, he says, he goes, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him, right? That language of the Lord is my portion. That's this idea that God is going to give me exactly what I need. The challenge, I think, for most of us, especially those of us who live in a North American context, we don't necessarily look to God for what we need. We tend to turn to God for what we want, <laughs> And there's a big difference between the two things, what I need and what I want. 
I've shared this before uh, many times in our church. One of the ways that God has done a work in my life over the last 20 years is on the on the area of materialism. Uh, I kind of, when I got my first job, at, at, when I finished school and I started, I remember I got my first job as a computer programmer. I was a junior level programmer for this company and I was making, oh, I think it was like $32,000 a year. I felt like an incredible rich man uh, in that day. I was like 21 years old. I had the whole world before me. And because of that income, I started to develop this mindset that buying things would make me happy. That if I had a really bad day at work, you know, my boss wasn't happy with me, the program that I wrote crashed the system, things like that. If I had a really bad day, if I would just go and buy something, it would make me feel so much better, right? Something that I want. Get a new TV, get a new VCR, get a new comic book, whatever that was. If I would just get something that I wanted, well, then I would have my portion and the reality is, and I had to learn it just like maybe some of you have had to learn it, we, we know those things never truly satisfy. Like when we turn to God for what we want, we need to do a mind shift to go, no, 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 a new day with Christ means that God is going to give me what I need. And I think this is something that we as followers of Jesus, we need to really lean in more and more into what that truly means in our lives as followers of Christ especially in a season like this where it's traditionally all about what we get in the Christmas season, what we get. But no, it's what do we need? We see all throughout the Bible from beginning to end, God meeting the needs of his people, even in a situation that they would consider to be very, very weary. Think, for example, of the people of Israel wandering around in the wilderness, in a desert, for 40 years, waiting to go into the land that God promised them. And that would have been incredibly weary, considering it was an 11-day journey from Egypt to the promised land. A straight line should have taken them 11 days. Instead, 40 years of squiggly travel through the wilderness before they could get into the promised land. Very weary. So the people did not get what they wanted, but God always gave them what they needed. He sent manna, bread from the heavens so that they could eat. He sent quail to them so they could have meat. He sent water to them coming out of stones so they could have fresh water. God always gives them what they need. You know, even the teachings of Jesus, when the disciples of Jesus went to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus didn't teach them how to pray to get what they want. Jesus didn't give them some prosperity message. Here's the way that you can pray to get exactly what you want. The car you want, the health you want, the spouse you want, the bank account you want. Here's how to pray to get these things. It's not what Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them to pray incredibly simply for their need. God, give us today our daily bread. Just give me enough, God, for today. Sometimes when this world feels very weary, we just need enough strength to get through today. 
with this COVID situation in our church family, we've had to make a lot of decisions and pivot and change how we do things and come up with solutions fast. And I got to admit, there are a lot of times I just wish I had more time to think about it, to process it, to pray. But I ended up having, I don't have time to do that. We need a decision right now. And so my prayers shifted from God, what do I need to do next week to God? Just, 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 God, just give me what I need to know right now. Just give me what I need to know to make a decision today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about two weeks from now. I'm not going to worry about two months from now. God, I need to make a decision today. Just give me today what I need. And I think God shows up in amazing ways as our portion to get us through today. If you're hurting If you are lonely, you're feeling downcast, you're finding yourself with a lack of joy, you're just feeling the weight of the weariness of the world, God wants to meet you where you are right now. And God wants to give you right now, not what you want, but what you need. That new and glorious morning with Jesus is exactly what you need in this moment. So that's the first thing that lamentation shows us, that the Lord is my portion. So I'll wait for him, that portion that God will give us what we need. The second thing that a new day with Christ brings is it brings us the hope to keep going. It brings us the hope to keep going, right? The song, Oh Holy Night, it's the thrill of hope. I just think of that world, the language of a thrill. Think of the roller coaster ride when you're going up the hill, you know, and then it just drops you like, wee, the thrill. I don't do wee on those kind of rides because I don't go on them because they're terrifying. Why anyone pays money to do that? I won't get on it. There's no way. So it's not a thrill for me, but I get maybe for some of you it is, (laughs) right? But it's this thrill that there's this excitement. There's this anticipation of hope. Hope in what God is doing, even in our weary world. In Lamentations 3.25, you know, Jeremiah says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. You know, I've heard a uh, very uh, a famous speaker said, and I forgot to write his name down of who said it, <laughs> so I can't quote him directly. But he talked about this idea that in our human condition, our human bodies, we can live 40 days without food. And we can live kind of eight days without water. We can live about four minutes without oxygen, but we can't last one second without hope. You see, every single human being puts their hope in something. We all do it. We either put our hope in government. We put our hope in money. We put our hope in a vaccine. We put our hope in some policy. We put our hope in some leader. We put our hope in whatever. But all of us put our hope in something. But lamentations in the weariness of the world, in the problems that we seek, is that lamentation reminds us that the Lord is good for those who put their hope in him. You see, there's a lot of things that I've been praying for over the last eight months in this season of ministry. I've been praying for so many of you and the situations that you find yourself in. And yes, I've prayed for jobs and I've prayed for health and I've prayed for money and I've prayed for all these situations that we find ourselves. 
but I always pray as well that your hope ultimately would be in God, that a new morning is coming because of God's love for you, that if you seek him, as Jeremiah says, the one who seeks after God, the one who prays to God, the one who learns about God's character in his word, the one who isn't putting their hope in these man-made external things, but truly have their hope rested firmly in what Jesus has done for us. That that is ultimately where our hope is going to come from. Right? And this is not just an Old Testament teaching. We see this carry through all the way into the New Testament as well. The author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, says this, Let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. <laughs> The author is talking about this promise of Jesus. Jesus is coming into the world, his death, his resurrection to pay for our sin, to make us right with a holy God. And that one day he will return to come and judge the living and the dead to set up an eternal kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth where we will be resurrected in new bodies that will never get sick, that will never grow old, that will never cry, that will never die. See, that's what Advent is all about. The Advent season, the four weeks leading up into Christmas Eve, is about remembering Jesus's first coming and the hope of his second coming. And maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's the day after tomorrow. Maybe it's the day after that. We don't know when that day will be, but our hope is for this glorious day to come. I know during this COVID season, I have occasionally put my hope in the wrong thing. I've kind of put my hope occasionally as a pastor, as the leader, kind of lead pastor of your church. I was like, if I could just find the right book, (laughs) if I could just find the right seminar, if I could just find the right blog post to get us through this pandemic and that our church would come on the other side of this pandemic even stronger than what we were going into it. Now, there's nothing wrong with a good book, a good podcast, or a good blog post, or a good conference to help strengthen the church. But I know in my heart of hearts, the only thing that's going to make this church spiritually uh, solid and to see us really thrive is more of God. More of God moving in your life, in your family, in your situation. And that hope comes from seeking God. So let's not put our hope in the wrong thing. Let's put our hope in what God wants to do. So this new and glorious morn, this new day with Jesus, is that we have the hope to keep going. So a new day with Christ brings exactly what we need. It brings the hope to keep going. And finally, this new day with Christ gives us the help that you are seeking. The help that you're seeking. Lamentations 3.26 finishes with these words. It says, It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have a serious hard time with waiting. (laughs) I don't know if it's my kind of OCD, you know, obsessive compulsive personality. I don't know if, you know, it's because I was very impatient as a child. I don't know what caused it. But this idea of waiting, 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 
doesn't come naturally to me. But there's something powerful in our being still. There's something powerful that happens in our relationship with God when we just take it day by day and we trust, well, maybe God will do something tomorrow. I feel weary today. I do. I feel weary today. But tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Like, and we see this happen again and again and again all throughout the ministry of Jesus, of people who've had to deal with horrible situations in their lives, people who had to deal with very hard things in life, life very weary. But as they waited quietly, God's salvation came into their lives. You think of Jesus' friend Lazarus who was dead in a tomb for four days and his sisters and family and community mourning his death, being in that pain of loss for four days. And Jesus shows up and they looked at him, Jesus, master, teacher, if you would have been here, you could have healed him. You could have prevented our pain for the last four days. And Jesus replies, well, this is for God's glory. So the four days of pain are worth it for when Jesus goes to the tomb says, Lazarus, rise. And his friend comes out of the tomb alive. The four days of pain lead to salvation. We read of a woman who was dealing with a bleeding issue, an internal bleeding issue for 12 years. And in her culture, in this Jewish culture, she would have been seen as someone who was unclean, would not be able to go to temple, would not be able to worship the way the people were commanded to worship because of her uncleanliness. She would have been cast aside by her people. 12 years of weariness. And then touches Jesus's cloak and is healed to display God's glory. We read of another man who was crippled and paralyzed for 38 years, a hard life of misery for 38 years. And he wants to go into this pool because it's believed if he goes into this pool that he'll be healed and he can't get there because he's too crippled and no one will bring him into the pool. And Jesus shows up and says, you are healed. 38 years of weariness waiting patiently for the salvation to come. You see, all of those stories, what they have in common is Jesus. See, in whatever weariness you and I face, we need to seek Jesus. And the answer might not come right away. The answer might not come tomorrow. It might take some time, but we wait quietly. Because we know God is good. And we know that God works in our lives when we seek him. We know that we live in a world of sin and pain and death. And we know that we're living in the darkness of night. But a new day is coming. A new day is coming. The Apostle Paul writes about this new day as well in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, where he says, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. 
He's talking about this tension that you and I are living in, in this advent of remembering Jesus' first coming and longing for his return again. That we are one day closer to that day. We're one day nearer to that completion of God's plan where the weariness will be dealt with once and for all. The author of the hymn, O Holy Night, you see, he knew about Jesus, but he never personally knew Jesus. In the way he lived his life, in the way that he dealt with his pain, in the way that he dealt with his hardship, he didn't turn to Jesus. He turned to the things of the world to deal with his weariness. But he knew the message of Jesus. I don't know who taught it to him, but he knew it. Listen to the lyrics of verse 2 of this song that Paul sang for us earlier. Listen to these words. He's talking about Jesus here. He said, truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. This is the notion of the, the sin that surrounds us, these chains of sin that hold us back. And Jesus became a slave on our behalf. And because of Jesus leaving the throne of heaven and dying for our sins, putting himself in a position of slavery to people, he breaks the chains And then it says, and in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in great, grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and his glory evermore proclaimed. How you can pen those words and motivate generations of followers of Jesus and never let those words sink in deep into your own heart is a little heartbreaking for me. And maybe you're here today and you're joining us. Maybe someone invited you to join us for this Christmas season. Maybe you saw a Facebook ad, maybe a Google search. I don't know what brought you here, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are here to know that God loves you. And whatever weariness you are facing, there's hope. That there is a new and glorious morn coming. And it's not in the things that we traditionally put our hopes in. It's in something that's going to sound so crazy, is that we need to put our hope in that little baby that was born 2,000 years ago, to that virgin girl and to that young man. to the people who were rejected by the innkeeper, to that couple where wise men from the east came and brought gifts, to the people, to, and Jesus started his public ministry, even his own family didn't believe in who he was, even his own community wouldn't believe in him, even his own religious leaders wouldn't follow him. But he was God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and that he died to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin. And when we turn from simply knowing Jesus to following Jesus, that means to repent of the things that we want to follow and turn our heart and our mind and our affections to him. When we do that, that hope that Jesus brings come into our lives. 
And you can do that right where you are right now just by praying, God, forgive me for my sin. God, forgive me for where I put my hope in the wrong things. And today I give my life and my heart to you. Come into me and make this new day new. And if you do that today, I would love if you would just let us know in the chat that you've done that. There's a little pop-up that shows up. Just click that link and another little pop-up comes up. If you click that, it will bring you to a form. You can just put your name and your email address. We're not going to show up at your home. We're not going to spam you. But I would love to be able to connect with you and to get some free resources into your hand to start you out on this new journey of following Jesus. So please fill out that form for us. And for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, yes, this world is weary. (laughs) It is, but we can still rejoice. Just because Christmas is going to look a little different this year, just because it might not be exactly the way I want it, is not a reason to not rejoice and praise his holy name forever. Like I love, again, this lyric from O Holy Night, let all within us praise his holy name right where we are. We can shout out, Christ is the Lord. And our hope is in him because we know, we know that a day with Jesus will bring us exactly what we need, that he will give us the hope to keep going and that he is the help that we're seeking. So let's pray together. So Father God, I just praise you and thank you for this environment at Greenbelt Online where we can worship all together as a church family, kind of spread out all over our city and our nation and around the world as one family who are crying out, praise be to God for that oh holy night that happened 2000 years ago where the angels rejoiced that Jesus has come to deal with humanity's sin once and for all, to deal with the weariness of this world. And so God, forgive us when we put our hopes in the wrong things. Forgive us when we forget about your love and we become so self-focused in what we're dealing with. And so God, in our pain, in our weariness, this Christmas season, God, just bring your hope, bring your joy, bring your peace, bring your love as we rejoice on the birth of Jesus and look forward to his return. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.